0: Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders, 15 miles away. When police, when police arrive, arrived, they a found a the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. of murder. There comes a time in every parent's life when your child bucks up to you and refuses to do as you ask. A time where your arguments get a little too loud and emotions can get the best of you. For the most part, it's temporary, and after exchanging apologies and deep conversations, everything goes back to normal and love comes out on top. This, of course, isn't always the case. On January 2nd, 2011, a young boy, in the heat of an argument, did the unthinkable to the mother who was scolding him. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On January 2nd, 2011, at around 6 p.m. in Holmes County, Ohio, a mother and her 10-year-old son got into a fight over an unwanted, unfinished chore. Now, in theory, we can assume this same type of argument was taking place all over the country, maybe even all over the world. But something that didn't take place all over the country, maybe even all over the world, was that argument ending in a ruthless murder. At the McVeigh home near Big Prairie, Ohio, 10-year-old Joseph and his mother, 46-year-old Deborah, argued so viciously over bringing some firewood into the house that the neighbors had to call 911. When the police arrived at the home, they found Deborah lying face down on her living room floor, dead from a single gunshot wound to the head. The only witnesses to the crime, her 15-year-old daughter, Shauna, and her son, Joseph, who, corroborated by his sister's testimony, confessed to killing his mother in the heat of an argument. He was quickly arrested and brought in for more intensive questioning, the police having a hard time believing that this whole thing happened because of a bit of firewood. While most of their investigation was kept from the public, interviews with family, friends, and school administrators told the tale of the volatile McVeigh home that contributed to Joseph's intense reaction. According to those who knew the McVeighs, including Joseph and Shauna's father, the children had been exposed to numerous episodes of domestic violence in both their mother and father's home. Their mother, the victim, was known as an emotionally and verbally abusive woman who kept the trailer in which they lived in cluttered, unkempt, and downright filthy. This was also not the first time that Joseph found himself overcome by anger and aggression. In 2006, an elementary school-aged Joseph had an altercation with the bus driver at his school, And when he was just six years old, he used a dustpan to swat at a school administrator who came to speak with him about his disturbances in class. School officials referred to him as polite and nice, pending he wasn't in one of his violent episodes. The final straw seemed to be Deborah and Michael's separation, which happened just a few weeks before the murder. Michael, who had an outstanding warrant for failure to pay child support. As their marital and legal woes got worse, so did Joseph's episodes of anger. All of this culminated in the one final outburst when Deborah asked Joseph to bring in some firewood from outside. He said no, and the rest is history. Shauna, who watched on as her brother retrieved his gun, one of the six the 10-year-old was given by his father, begged him not to kill their mother. He did what his anger commanded, went over to the neighbors and told them to call 911. In the background of the call, you can hear him yelling, I shot my mom. The inherited guns prior to being used to kill Deborah McVeigh were a source of great anger between the newly separated spouses. She did not think it was appropriate for Joseph to have the guns stored in his room, while his father disagreed. Joseph McVeigh was charged as a juvenile for the murder of his mother and when the time came, entered a denial of the charge, the equivalent of a not guilty plea in the normal court of law. That August, he was found not competent to stand trial as two psychologists determined his anxiety and deep depression and learning disability made it nearly impossible for him to speak with his lawyers or with the courts, meaning there was no way to give him a fair trial. Both agreed he would benefit from counseling in order for the trial to go forward. He was placed in an undisclosed treatment facility and in June of 2013, a newly treated Joseph McVeigh pleaded true or guilty to the murder of his mother. According to his chain of events, Joseph had refused to go to the laundromat with his mother and sister earlier that day, resulting in a fight with his mother about the laundry. He left the house, slamming the door behind him and returned later that evening only to start yelling at his mother about one thing or another. When she refused to tell him who she was on the phone with, he went into his room and, about 10 minutes later, came out with his twenty-two caliber rifle. When he was certain his mother was dead, he turned the gun on his sister and promised not to shoot her. He looked down at his mother one last time, smirked, shrugged his shoulders, and left the trailer. The prosecutor in the case worked to try and place Joseph in a youth prison system until he was at least 21 years old, a sentence backed by his own sister. The defense, however, thought that the 11 months he had already spent in treatment was enough and worked to get an immediate release, claiming time in the youth prison would detract from the progress he had already made, citing his grades, good behavior, and recent control over his emotions the opposing sides painted vastly different pictures of the now 13-year-old killer. One version starred a deeply abused and terrified young boy acting in self-defense and the other starring an angry, remorseless boy who proved his danger to others when his mother asked him to do a simple chore. In the end, the Holmes County Juvenile Court judge ordered Joseph McVeigh to remain on probation in a residential treatment facility and suspended a commitment to the state's youth prison, until he was 21 years old, providing he could stay out of trouble. As he heard his sentence, Joseph sat expressionless and silent. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on January 3rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon, or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.